0: You know the most important thought that you will ever have will be what you think about God. Your theology. Theology is is what we believe about God. And I know most of us didn't wake up this morning and think, "Wow, I need to get my theology in order. I want to sharpen my theology." Most people would look at you kind of weird if if you said if that was something that you were thinking about. And yet, our theology has everything to do with the decisions that we make and the way that we look at the world. It's amazing. In fact, uh, if we believe that God is faithful and true, um, it will bring confidence into our own life. If we believe that God is loving, it makes us feel significant. And that's important. If we believe that God is absent or not there or or, or not with us, we can feel alone and helpless. Um, and if we are, if we believe that God is strong and courageous, um, we will trust Him, and we will also learn to trust other people because we have learned to trust God. So our theology, what we believe, is profoundly impactful. When it comes to our lives today, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, some of the names of Jesus. These these are rooted in our theology because um, the Bible tells us that Jesus has uh, more than two hundred different names and titles in the Bible. And the reason that Jesus is called so many things is because he is too profound to be his deity could not be expressed in one or even a handful of names. He's too great. He's too magnificent. And so all of these different names throughout the scripture reveal different aspects of who Jesus is in our lives. And over the last few weeks, if you've been with us, we've talked about the Alpha and Omega. Jesus is the beginning and end, meaning Jesus is the totality. Jesus is over every need that we have in our life. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Um, He is the one who is faithful and true. Revelation calls him the bright and morning star. He's the one that gives direction uh, to our lives. And we could go on and on and on. And tonight, as we kind of wrap up this this series, I want to talk to you about two profound names of Jesus, and they are the Lion and the Lamb. The Lion and the Lamb. I want us to look tonight at Revelation chapter 5. Because Revelation chapter 5 introduces this concept of Jesus being the lion of the tribe of Judah and the slain lamb. Let's look together at Revelation 5, 1 through 6. I also saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals. But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll. The scroll, or even to look at it, I wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or even to look at it. And then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Look, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw one like a slaughtered lamb standing in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders he had seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent all uh, into all the earth. Wow, that's a mouthful to set context a little bit. John is one of the 12 apostles of Jesus. At the end of his life, he has a revelation given to him by God as to what is going to occur in the end times. And the book of Revelation, the final book of the Bible, outlines for us many of the things that are to come. And in this particular chapter, chapter 5, there are some scrolls and they are sealed. And no one is worthy to open the scrolls. Now, the scrolls that are being described here um, that are sealed uh, are blessings and curses that are going to be poured out on the earth at the end of time. And John is weeping because nobody can open them. In other words, nobody can put an end to all the wickedness on the earth. And so John is crying. He's freaking out. He's upset. But it's at that moment in the throne room of heaven that he realizes that the lion of the tribe of Judah is right there beside him. And it's interesting that the book of Revelation describes Jesus as a lion and a lamb in the very same passage. Now think about that for just a moment, because is there any two things that could be more opposite? A lion who is courageous, who is strong, who is dynamic, who is powerful, and a lamb that is basically helpless. And Jesus is both of these. Jesus is a lion, and he's a lamb. And it's a beautiful picture today of of what we understand about Jesus. Now, um, to understand this a little bit deeper, a lion is one who conquers, and that's how uh, Revelation chapter five describes him. Um, and I wonder if we saw Jesus as a lion, if we would have a little more respect for him and, and a little more appreciation for him, because lions are terrifying creatures. Now I've never seen a lion like face to face, but I have seen YouTube. Amen. And I mean, I watched some lion videos this week, and I saw this one lion. I mean, he was bad. He, he attacked this prey like, like an antelope of some sort. And, and, and this, this, this animal that he had killed probably weighed 30 or 40 pounds. And he put the animal in his jaws and he and he went up into the top of a tree a couple of stories high. He just clawed his way up there and he ate lunch in the tree. That's amazing. I saw another video where a lion was hanging out about three stories high in a tree, and he jumped and he attacked some poor prey that was standing underneath the tree that didn't even... I mean, it was a long fall. Lions are powerful animals. Have you ever been to the zoo? Now, when I go to the zoo, it feels like the lions are always la- lounging around, you know? But, I mean, they're strong, they're fast, they're dynamic, they got that big nasty roar, and and they are amazing creatures, and Jesus' strength, and his courage, and his and his dynamicness is expressed in this concept of the lion. I love a quote from C.S. Lewis who wrote um, that that uh, children's series uh, that was uh, begun by "The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe" about the land Narnia. Aslan is the lion, and he's a picture of the Lord Jesus. And there's a beautiful quote in that first book. Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Isn't that beautiful? That's a beautiful picture Of the lion of the tribe of Judah, he is—he is not safe, but he is good. But he's good. He's a lion. I mean, Jesus is a lion. Jesus is powerful. Jesus is courageous. Jesus, when Jesus is in the throne room of heaven in Revelation chapter five, like nobody can open the seals but him nobody compares to him. I'll tell you I saw a lion this week I was over at Starbucks and in walked in a player that I'm telling you he was a dead ringer for one of the Denver Broncos and we've had some Broncos in our church former Broncos current Broncos down through the years and and, and so I, I can kind of I can kind of sense the NFL swag you know there's kind of a special there's kind of a specialness that kind of goes with being a Denver Bronco and this guy walked in, and you know he was about 6'3", about two fifteen. He had on like the two hundred and fifty dollars Nikes, the warm ups. He had the gold chains, the earrings. I mean, this guy had muscles that were just busting out of his sweatshirt. I was trying to not have muscle envy. I was staring at the guy. But what was amazing is that everybody sitting in Starbucks that that morning was turning and looking at the same moment. We were all staring at this one man. And I thought, I got to know which Bronco this is. And I was like, well, obviously he's not an offensive lineman. Um, maybe he's a wide receiver. Maybe he's a defensive back. And I was trying to go through the roster in my head. And I was thinking about taking a video on my phone, you know. And maybe kind of doing kind of one of those undercover videos because I wanted to send it to my boy so we could try and figure out who he was. But then I thought, well, that would probably be a little creepy to video somebody that you didn't know who they were. But I'll tell you, he gathered the attention of the entire establishment. He was a lion. Everybody knew who he was. He was a big bad man. Wow. Wow. I think in the throne room of heaven, Revelation 4, 5, 6, that when Jesus showed up as the lion of the tribe of Judah, there was no no hesitation as to who was in charge. His courage, his might, his power could not be explained by any other means. One of my favorite lions is Mufasa. Do we have any Lion King fans? Anybody like the Lion King? Mufasa, man, he's awesome. Now, he's got that brother, Scar, that's always undermining him. But Mufasa is superior to Scar, isn't he? He's bigger. He's stronger. His voice is deeper. The only way Scar can get anything done is by manipulation. And he kind of, you know, is always trying to trick people. And and he's trying to cause doubt and other problems. It's kind of like the devil, you know. The devil is not stronger than Jesus But he wants to mess with Jesus. And Mufasa has all the strength and all the might and all the power and and, and he rules the jungle. When Mufasa shows up, the other animals tremble. I mean, it is something to be seen when he is on the scene. And I love that. In fact, I can't think of a lion that's not courageous or bold other than the Wizard of Oz. That's the only lion I can think of that doesn't have any courage. But, you know, lions lions are not kitty cats. We, we, we have a pet cat. I'm a cat guy. I love cats. Do we have any cat fans here? Anybody? Oh, I love cats. I'm totally a cat guy. I've been a cat guy my entire life, and I'm proud, yes. And Midnight is a black cat, and, and, and she's lots of fun. And sometimes she'll be laying with me on the couch, but when somebody opens a door or somebody makes a, you know, a footstep or something like that or a phone rings, she will jump up and run off. She's a she is the embodiment of a scaredy cat. I mean, it's amazing. I'm like, "Can you just chill?" There's a big difference between a house cat and a lion. Nothing intimidates that great beast of the jungle. Man, a lion is fearless. He's courageous. He's not afraid of a little sound. He will eat whatever is around him. He doesn't care. But Jesus is not just personified as a lion, he, he's also a lamb. And to really understand who Jesus is, we have to understand Jesus is not just big and bold and mighty. He's all that. But he's something else. He's humble. He's gentle. He's caring. He's compassionate. He's a lamb. He's the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. In fact, John in his gospel said it this way. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In Revelation, he's the Lamb of God that's slain. In John chapter 1, the Gospel of John, John 1:29, he is the Lamb of God. Jesus is lion and he's lamb. How how could that be possible? Because he is the incarnation of God. He's big. He's bold. He's strong. And that means that whatever need that you may have in your life, Jesus can meet that need. When you need courage, when you need strength, when you need power, when you need wisdom, Jesus has you covered. When you need compassion and understanding and love and patience... He's the Lamb of God. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. In the book of Exodus, the blood of the Lamb was put on the doorpost at the Passover celebration so that the angel would pass over that house. In other words, there was an atonement for sin that had taken place. That's why it was important for Jesus to die on the cross. He was the one and only Lamb, the final Lamb. In other words, the Jewish people did not need... A consistent sacrifice because Jesus had become the one and only sacrifice and he is the Lamb of God. And so the imagery from the book of Exodus with the Passover celebration is, is related to in the book of Revelation when Jesus is called the Lamb of God. But a lamb is an innocent animal. You don't have to be very smart to know that lambs are pretty pathetic. Our lambs fast. Are lambs strong? Everybody's like, let me think about that. No, 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 they're not. Do lambs have big, nasty claws? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. And they have that pathetic, that pathetic sound like, meh, which every time I hear that, I think, eat me. You know, like, lambs, I have been told, I I talked to a lady a couple of years ago that, that has a bunch of sheep. And she said that sheep will just walk off the side of a cliff. I mean, they are absolutely pathetic. That's why there is a whole profession that is designed to take care of that particular animal. Now, there are no professions to take care of dogs or or cats or or your goldfish or whatever. But sheep need full-time help. And that's why the ancient people had so many shepherds because the sheep would get eaten, they would wander off, they would eat things that would kill them. They were absolutely pathetic and helpless. And a lamb is a, is, is a baby sheep, and they say that the, the prime of a lamb is like one years old. That's why you eat lamb instead of sheep. You know, if you've ever been to the restaurant and wondered that, because the lamb is what's tasty. But an innocent lamb is, is a little... A little harmless, little naive, innocent being. Now, dogs can be ornery, amen? My family talked me into getting a dog a few months ago, and I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of recovering from this. I mean, dogs are mischievous. Dogs eat things, they chew on things, they don't do what they're told. Bad dog. Bad dog. Sheep. They are innocent. And that's why Jesus is called the sinless lamb of God. He's innocent, man. He's innocent. Now check this out. Jesus is not just one or the other. If you have the wrong theology, you will see Jesus as only a lion or only a lamb. But Jesus is both. He's actually both and the same. He is a lion, he is a lamb. He is tough, he is tender. And the goal of the Christian life is to be like Christ. We call that Christ-likeness. As you grow in your faith, you should become more like Christ than you were before. Amen? Is that the purpose and the goal? And we have a great saying here at Edge Church, come as you are, but don't stay that way guess why? Because you need to be like Christ. Come as you are. We have a big front door. We love everybody. Come on in here. But listen, get on the spiritual journey and become like the lion and become like the lamb. Grow with Christ. We say no perfect people allowed here because we realize we need to be transformed by Jesus. Now, a lot of us have different personalities. I mean, some of us have more of a lion personality, you're assertive, you're dominant, you like to be in charge, you like to make decisions, you know, sometimes you can be opinionated, you like to speak up, you like to tell people your ideas. Don't feel bad. I just want to ask, say, how many lions do we have in the house? Anybody is like, anybody's like, I'm, I'm a lion. Yeah. People are like, I don't even have to pray about it. I'm a lion. I am too. Yeah. Okay. These are my people right here. Okay. Amen. God, give us some lions. How many of us, though, you might relate a little bit more to the lamb? You're more passive. You know, you don't want to stir up controversy. You know, you want to kind of blend in with what's going on. Anybody just raise their hand. Come on, show me some lambs today. Okay. All right. All right. And so we have natural dispositions. I mean, some people are just naturally more passive and some people are just naturally more aggressive. That's true. But listen. When you have Christ in your life, you have a lamb and a lion that lives in your spirit. Did you know that? And so you may be a super passive person. But because Jesus is in your life, you may be extremely courageous. The opposite may be true as well. Okay, you may you may be the most assertive, dominant person. But listen, when the Spirit of God starts working in your life, you can also be patient and kind and loving and compassionate and caring. And and if you really are a follower of Jesus, you got to be both, right? You can't just be one. Listen, if you're just a lion all the time, but you can't get under authority or show compassion, you're an egomaniac. Nobody likes that. So we need both. Am I supposed to be a lion or a lamb? Both. What is Jesus? Jesus is both. He's not one. He's not another. Now, if I had a couple points to this sermon, it might go like this. Um, Number one, love the lion and the lamb. And then number two, live like the lion and the lamb. Think about this. Throughout Jesus' entire ministry, he was a lion and a lamb. In John chapter 2, the same chapter of the Bible, Jesus is at a wedding at Cana of Galilee. They run out of wine Jesus feels bad for his friends and even though he wasn't really ready to start his public ministry yet, he performs his first public miracle and he turns the water into wine and, and because he didn't want his friends to be embarrassed. In the same chapter, Jesus finds people are selling animals for sacrifice at the temple and they're charging extraordinary prices. They're ripping people off. Poor people are trying to buy these these, these doves and these other animals and they're having to pay these exorbitant prices. And Jesus gets ticked. And he goes in and he kicks over the tables. John chapter 2 says he even makes his own whip. Come on now. Bad Jesus, you know, lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus throws down on those people. And it's all in the same chapter. Go to John chapter 5. Jesus is there at the with a man at the pool of Bethesda and an invalid has been there for 38 years and he hasn't been able to move and he can't get healed and he doesn't know what to do, what does Jesus go over to say to him? Jesus says, do you want to get well? I mean, you know, you're kind of like, Jesus, can you say anything more insensitive, right? This poor man can't move. He's been laying there for 38 years. What do you think he wants to do? I think Jesus was trying to help this man not feel too sorry for himself. But then Jesus heals him. Lamb. Jesus is compassionate. Let me heal you. Lion, do you really want to get well? (laughs) In John chapter 8, there's a woman caught in the act of adultery. They bring her before Jesus. Jesus says, neither do I condemn you, lamb, but go and sin no more. I forgive you, but don't go back and keep doing what you were doing. Lion and lamb. Grace, compassion, confrontation, warning, direct, indirect. Jesus is both. In John chapter 11, Jesus goes to the tomb of of Lazarus. His friend has died. What does Jesus do when he gets there? He cries. The shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Lamb. Jesus feels. Jesus is a heart guy. And then Jesus brings the power. He brings the lion. What does he do? He calls Lazarus forth from the grave. He resurrects Lazarus. And had Jesus not said, Lazarus, come forth, don't you know there had been a whole eruption in that cemetery? Lion, lamb. In John 13, Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. Lamb, lamb. Serving, showing compassion, showing love. He gets to Judas. He's like, Judas, you're going to betray me. You sorry scoundrel, go and do it quickly. Lion. Lion and a lamb. And we could go all through the Gospels and we could give illustration after illustration after illustration. Is Jesus a lion or a lamb? He's both. Jesus is both tough and he's tender. He's both. We need a little more lion and a little more lamb in our own existence. What would it look like if you had a little more of the lion of the tribe of Judah in your back pocket? Maybe you would have the courage to embrace certain opportunities. God has put a dream in your heart that you want to pursue, but you're nervous and you're afraid. But the spirit of the lion is loose in you. God's giving you courage. It's the courage to be disciplined. It's the courage to not be a quitter. It's the courage to not always look for the grass as greener on the other side. Sometimes we got we to have courage to stick with our commitments and stay with our stuff. It's the courage to stay in a, in a conflicted marriage. You know, if you're going to stay married in the 21st century, let me tell you, it's, it's work. Sometimes it's hard. It's a challenge. There's good seasons, there's bad seasons. God's looking for people who will courageously stick with the stuff. And you got to be a lion. you got to fight for your marriage. you got to have courage to not live by your feelings. You know, one day I feel this way, another day I feel this way. Well, you know what? Sometimes when you walk with God, it's not about the feelings. Sometimes the feelings are there. Sometimes you just do the right thing because you know that's what God wants you to do. And it doesn't matter how you feel. Courage to be a parent, to discipline your kids. You know, we, we need some courageous parents. Amen? Don't we? We need some parents that will talk to their kids about what is right and what is wrong. What is truth? What is error? What is good? What is bad? God, give us some courageous moms and dads. Amen. We need some lions in the home. The courage to have ethics in the marketplace to tell the truth either when, even when others don't want to and the courage to do what's right no matter what. The courage to have tough talks with family and friend. Friends, listen, folks, we, we need the lion of the tribe of Judah. We do. But I got to tell you, we also need the slain lamb. We need a lamb, a lamb mindset as well. A compassionate, gentle submissiveness that's in our life. And a lamb is submissive to a shepherd and we are God's sheep and the good shepherd is Jesus. Jesus. So listen, if you can't get under authority, if you can't get under the authority of Jesus or you can't get under the authority of others, you have authority issues, then you don't understand what it means to be a lamb. Sometimes God wants us to be leaders. Sometimes God wants us to be followers. I think for most of us, we will probably do more following than leading throughout the course of our life we got to be able to do both. There's times to lead. There's times to follow. There's times to show compassion. To not be so quick to label people and to be judgmental and critical of others. To listen. To encourage someone. To try to understand where people are coming from. These are godly virtues. This is part of godliness. This is part of spiritual maturity. Lions. And lambs, and yes, we identify, generally speaking, with maybe one a little bit more than the other. But it's both, man. It's both. Jesus is both. And I'm so glad that Jesus is a conqueror and a lion because he conquered sin and Satan. And I live in awe and wonder of him. I don't have to be afraid. Because I know who the lion of the tribe of Judah is. He's my savior. But I'm also glad that Jesus is tender like a lamb. He puts up with me when I say unkind things, when I get impatient, when I sin, when I don't do what I'm supposed to. I know that there is a God that always loves me, and I'm so thankful for the Lamb. Jesus is tough. Jesus is tender. Jesus is a lion. Jesus is a lamb. This Christmas, let's align our lives with the lion and the lamb. Would you pray with me for just a moment?